0: Okay, let's go ahead and get started. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to today's podcast of The Miller Frost Show. I am your host, and today I think I will be America's most beloved self-loving homosexual again. I figured I haven't done that in a while, but I guess today I'm feeling it. I'm feeling a little bit more. I'm here, as always, with my fake black friend, white boy Malcolm X. And as always, you can reach me at my email is miller at millerfrostonline.com. And my parlor handle is at MillerFrost. I'm still suspended from Twitter. Who knows if I'll ever get that back. But, oh well, I don't lay awake at night crying about that. You know, I wasn't even going to do a show today because this week, I don't know what you all are having to deal with. But, you know, that first week back from, you know, the end of year, kind of that holiday between Christmas and New Year's and even before Christmas... You know, being able to just kind of have some time off and then you get back and everyone else is back and then it's just you know tons of work and barrage of emails and it's just kind of nutty. And, and this week uh, has been, I think, especially nutty, but I need to do my podcast because I need to, as I was telling the Summit Mistress, White Boy Malcolm X, we were texting earlier, I said I kind of need to do this show because it's a great relief. It's a great opportunity for me to just kind of have fun and relax and laugh and... Not worry about everything, all the crazy going on, you know, at, uh, in the world today. And don't, even, don't worry, folks, we are not going to talk about the election yesterday. I, God, I don't know what to say about that because, you know, a radical preacher and a pajama boy have now been elected to the U.S. Senate. I, I have to say, you folks in Georgia, and I've lived in Georgia twice now. And um, in my lifetime, I was telling Mama Frost today, this morning, I said, you know, in my lifetime, I have seen Georgia go from blue to red and now apparently back to blue (laughs) again in the span of a couple decades. Man, but you folks in Georgia are, are, are crazier than the folks in Florida. And I'll tell you the big difference between you. The folks in Florida, now I give them a hard time, don't get me wrong. But they're lovable crazy. I love my my Florida folks. I, I have fans in Florida. People download my podcast. And, and I have gotten no death threats from any of them. So we love the folks in Florida. But I'll tell you what. You people in Georgia, you're just nuts. So, and what the hell happened down there? I guess I left and it all went to hell. So, and um, yes, I'm actually going to do that. Wipe my Malcolm X. I'm just going to go ahead and confess... On Sunday, I had to confess that I lied because I had been talking about how on New Year's Eve, I go to bed early, nine ten o'clock. And I've done that for years and years and years. But last New Year's Eve, I wound up inadvertently staying up until past midnight, uh, thanks to YouTube. And so I had to come and confess. And so now I have to confess one more thing that on Sunday, I made a very bold statement, a definitive statement that said I have never in my entire life ever seen a Justin Bieber video, and apparently I just realized I have. <laughs> Inadvertently, again, and it's not really my fault because I, 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 well, I was triggered white boy Malcolm X. I was listening to XM Radio, and there was a Ed Sheeran song on, and if you don't know who Ed Sheeran is, he's some ginger English guy that's, He's a plagiarist, allegedly. Apparently, he likes to copy other people's songs. But he has a song. It's called um, uh, I Don't Care. And it's actually not a bad song for an Ed Sheeran song. It's actually not a bad song. But he did a duet of that song with Justin Bieber. And the video was on at the gym. Like, I don't know, a couple months ago. And I try to block it from my memory, but it just popped in. It's the two of them in these furry costumes dancing around. And it's the creepiest video I think I've ever seen. It is disturbing. Folks, do not. I'm I'm just warning. Do not go to YouTube and watch that video because you cannot unsee that video for the rest of my days. And, and I have fewer days ahead than I do behind. But even in the hopefully decades I still have left to go, I will never unsee that video. It is disturbing. And if you don't know what a furry is, well, A, you should listen to more of my podcast because I have already explained this. But it's just people that that get dressed up in, like, I don't know, furry costumes, like a chipmunk or a beaver or a, a bear or something, and they it's a sex thing. I don't know. I, it's not my scene, and I will judge it. <laughs> okay. You people, you furry people are strange. But if that's your thing, that floats your boat, have at it. Normally, folks, to placate white boy Malcolm X, who comes over here to help me do the show, I don't know what you do, but you're just here. We do a gay story first, and then just because it's habit, we do a we do a, um, a smoking gun story last. And we do have the smoking gun story last. And before you jump out of your chair, you have been usurped, sir. I do have one hell of a gay story, but it's second because our summit mistress, our dear friend out in Colorado, sent me a story, and so I I just have to put her story to the front of the line. Is that going to be okay with you? Okay, that's why I, I didn't think you'd have an issue with it, but don't don't worry, white boy Malcolm X. I got I, I got one hell of a gay story coming up next. But she sent me a Forbes story, and we have been talking about the COVID vaccine, and it's been kind of funny because we've been reading these news stories about, like even here in Massachusetts, they are prioritizing the COVID vaccine, and part of the criteria are that they want to make that they want to make sure that people in communities of color, the BIPOC people, they get they get towards the front of the line to get the shots because these communities have been disproportionately affected. All of the communities have been disproportionately affected from each other, but they are apparently doubly disproportionately affected. So they're gonna they want to put all these BIPOC people up to the front of the line. Here you go. Go all the white privilege and we feel like guilt and so we're all gonna go to the back of the line. You you folks go first. Well as we've been reporting here on the Miller Frost Show, the BIPOC people do not trust Whitey with this shot because of systemic racism and a history of medical abuse. And I had an article about that, I don't know, a month or two ago. And so, some mistress has sent me an article. Apparently, the BIPOC people are not the only people who are saying, uh, I think I'll wait. And here's the headline. Large numbers of healthcare and frontline workers are refusing COVID-19 vaccine. So, folks, it's not just our BIPOC people, our, our friends in the BIPOC community. <laughs> if you don't know what that is, what is it? Black, indigenous, people of color, or whatever, something like that. And now, the nurses and the doctors and everyone else. So, here we go. Let's dig into this a little bit more. Despite the COVID-19 death count in the United States rapidly accelerating... A high percentage of healthcare professionals and frontline workers throughout the country who have been prioritized as early receipts of the coronavirus vaccine are reportedly hesitant or outright refusing to take it, despite clear scientific evidence that the vaccines are safe and effective. And I don't know about you folks, but well, I'll just ask this question. Does anyone, does anyone believe the science? And you're like, Miller, what the, how could you not believe the science? Well, I mean, folks, let's face it. The science says that you have to keep your ass at home. The science says that if you want to go to your job and you work in certain industries, you got to keep your ass at home and even if you can't afford your rent and you can't afford food and you can't afford anything, well the government will give you 600 bucks whatever. But you got to stay home. That's what the science says. The science says you have to wear the masks. But but the science also says that everyone else while your ass is sitting at home, everyone else They get to go and have fun and riot and loot and burn because the science says that social justice is an important factor to to put in this equation. And you also have to understand that the science says that the ruling class that's telling you to keep your ass at home, like, like Gavin Newsom in California, they get to go out and do whatever the hell they want. So if they want to go down to Mexico and go party at the beach they're going to go do that. If they want to go visit the relatives when they tell you to stay home at Thanksgiving, they're going to do that. If they want to go out to French Laundry in Napa Valley and stuff their stupid gay face with food, like Gavin Newsom does, they're going to do that. But you, you get to stay home because that's what the science, that's what Dr. Fauci has has said. So, I don't know about you. I'm not a big fan of how they define the science. Now, I, you know, I believe in science in general, right? I'm, I'm not a, a Earth flat person, but let's face it, how science has been politicized these days. It's, it's, I don't know. It gives me pause when someone starts to say, "Well, the science says." I'm like, hmm. I'm gonna have to think about that. Key facts, just to give you a little bit of background. Earlier this week, Ohio Governor Mike DeWine said he was troubled by the relatively low numbers of nursing home workers who have elected to take the vaccine, with DeWine stating that approximately 60% of nursing home staff declined the shots. Dr. Joseph Varen, chief of critical care at Houston's United Memorial Medical Center, told NPR in December more than half of the nurses in his unit informed him they would not get the vaccine. Roughly 55% of surveyed New York Fire Department firefighters said they would not get the coronavirus vaccine, the Firefighters Association president said last month. The Los Angeles Times reported Thursday that hospital and public officials in Riverside, California, have been forced to figure out how best to allocate unused doses after an estimated 50% of frontline workers in the county refused the vaccine. Fewer than half the hospital workers at St. Elizabeth Community Hospital in Tehama County, California, were willing to be vaccinated and around 20 to 40% of LA County's frontline workers have reportedly declined an opportunity to take the vaccine. So there you go, folks. Not just the BIPOC people are like, "Uh uh-uh, someone else go first. (laughs) Not me. There you go. Well, thank you very much, Summit Mistress, for sharing that story with us. But I have to cut it off now because White Boy Malcolm X wants his his gay story, and I, man, this is from the LGBTQ nation, and we have folks. I don't know what it is, but people are out. White boy Malcolm X. I'm starting to feel a little bit of paranoid, and I am because they're, they're coming after. I feel like they're coming after the white queens, and that's that's me, and that's you. The white gays are like always the target of something. So. We've talked about this a number of times, right? They were they went after those white queens in London for buying up all the PrEP, the HIV preventative medication. They went after all those white queens in Philadelphia, basically calling those Philadelphia queens in the gayborhood out, out there. They're basically the home of systemic racism, a bunch of white supremacists. And we have talked about the the queens in Atlanta who had their little whatever spring fling party down in Atlanta and they were all like stuffing themselves into bars and partying without masks on and then I think it was Sunday we had a story about that little thing in Puerto Vallarta that party in Puerto Vallarta that they were going to uh, and all the queens were going down there and so people were having a you know meltdown about that but now Now, I have a follow-up story to Sunday's story about everyone getting upset about the white queens going down to Puerto Vallarta to party. And this is from, like I said, the LGBTQ nation. And here is this headline on how horrible white queens are. Circuit queens vow revenge after being outed for attending potential super spreader party in Mexico. And if you are like, well, Miller, how do you know it's white queens? Well, folks... Let's be serious. The only people that go to these circuit parties are white queens. Or like 99% of them are white queens. It's a sea of white queens. And you got a little color sprinkled in there. But it's mostly just a bunch of stupid white queens that they just go and party. They take the drugs. They get drunk or whatever. And they go do whatever. Phone parties. God knows what else they do. I have never been to a circuit party. So I am not the expert here. But just, I don't know, Google gay circuit party on the internet and... You know, let like Google tag that in your search history. and uh, But you'll learn all sorts of new things, I'm sure. I'm not going to do it, but you can. But anyway, let's find out how horrible this group of dumb gay queens was. A group of circuit queens who attended a band dance party in Mexico are buzzing with anger after being outed on social media as dangerously selfish COVIDiots by the Instagram account at Gays Over COVID. Damn, so COVID Karen has become a bitter queen. Who knew? One of the angry party boys is reportedly a nurse who caught the virus at a different circuit party super spreader event at the beginning of the pandemic and raised tens of thousands of dollars for his recovery on GoFundMe. Well, who can blame him? That's good party money. I mean, how do you think a nurse can afford to go to all these different parties? He gets sick at one, he raises a bunch of money and takes the GoFundMe money and goes, I'm going to go to another one. That was was a great time. Organizing under the hashtag Gays Over Karens, the men offered a $500 incentive, that's it, (laughs) they're cheap queens, incentive to expose the account's owner with the ominous warning, let it be known we are coming for them. For so long, they have been hiding behind the screen, trying to out-fellow gays, Making our community as divisive as ever, party protector Lan Vu screeched on Facebook. (laughs) Man, those queens at LGBTQ Nation are being a little bit catty. Seeing how they like to put everyone under pressure, let's see how they feel like now that the target is on them. The Instagram account has been taken down after the men repeatedly flagged it as abusive for posting screenshots from photos and videos posted to social media by attendees. The screenshots included the names and social media accounts of the men pictured and predated the party in Puerto Vallarta. The posts also noted if the person is a medical professional. (laughs) So let me get this right, White by Malcolm X. So these queens go and party and some nasty old bitter COVID Karen is sitting wherever in her mama's basement, probably some dopey millennial on Instagram, gets angry about it because they're part of the mask police. And they put all these queens' pictures up on Instagram to try to shame these queens. And the queens were like, uh uh-uh, uh, you are not gonna shame us. And they offered a whopping $500 bounty to catch whoever's doing this. God. You girls, first off, you shouldn't be on, you stupid queens on, you vain, stupid queens on Instagram. <laughs> you get what you deserve just being on Instagram and being just so vapid, but you know. God bless all of you involved. God bless all of you. Anyway, let's pick back up on this. Multiple new accounts quickly sprang up to replace the old one as other users vowed to continue the campaign to shame the men willing to gamble other people's lives so they can do drugs and have sex to the beat of dance music. So there you go, folks. Want to know what goes on at a gay rave, drugs, sex, and dance music? The original account was restored after a few hours. Mike Schultz, the nurse who made national headlines after spending almost two months in the hospital after catching the virus at the Winter Party Circuit Party in Miami earlier this year, has joined forces with the COVIDiots, apparently as screenshots show the coronavirus survivor egging the Queens on. Schultz posted photos of his dramatic weight loss after <laughs> Well, I got the COVID, but look girls, I just lost all this weight. I look fabulous now. I can go to all the other parties. After being hospitalized for weeks on a ventilator and raised over $20,000 towards his recovery from generous supporters online. We're going to apparently pay for his other parties. Screenshots show Schultz's account responding to Lance's Post seeking info on the gays over COVID account owner and sharing another user's content decrying the inevitable blowback from the community. You effing bitter queens always tearing down other gays Get out of your little gay bubble was written all over a photo of Puerto Vallarta that Schultz shared. At this point, survival of the fittest, it's life, sorry. While he had posted previous content saying he was looking forward to attending the party in Mexico, he reportedly denied that he actually attended. So the nurse who got the COVID, got that 20 grand, lost all that weight, and girl it's fabulous now. He says he didn't go. but Listen to this white boy, Malcolm X, you are going to love this. A party cruise that was part of the event. Of course, you can't have a, a gay rave without a, a bunch of queens on a boat shrieking and getting drunk. Sank. This boat sank earlier in the week and the massless queens had to be rescued from the water by nearby owners. Oh I'm assuming no one drowned, that's why I can laugh about it. <laughs> you see white boy Malcolm X, this is a boat full of drunk, high drugged out queens and the boat sinks or the boat's going down and you know those bitch I'm Leo DiCaprio <laughs> half of them probably singing Celine Dion song yeah, there you go oh one last sentence sorry at least three men died after possibly contracting the coronavirus at winter party there you go folks man oh man they love to run around the LGBTQ plus community and we are all in solidarity Mm -mm. those queens are at each other's throats this story is from bgr i don't know if i can top covid queens party in a circuit party but this this might come close a gang of squirrels is terrorizing people in new york city evans we're all more than a little stressed out these days That's just what happens when the world is in the midst of a deadly pandemic that has changed everyone's lives in so many ways, except for those queens partying in Puerto Vallarta. Perhaps our anxious, agitated attitudes are rubbing off on Mother Nature because it looks like squirrels have started openly attacking people in New York City. As CBS affiliate WCBS-TV reports, squirrel attacks have been happening with startling regularity in one queen's neighborhood, with multiple people stating they've gotten into physical altercations with the animals, sometimes resulting in serious injury. Heavens. Fighting with a squirrel. Queen's resident, Michelin Frederick, Michelin Frederick, that is her name, says that the squirrel attacked her while she was standing on her own front stoop. The animal apparently climbed up her leg and began biting her. Frederick, who had bruises and cuts after the attack, said her fingers were chewed by the squirrel and it refused to let go. When the animal finally relented, the ground was covered in blood. Oh my God. We're wrestling in the snow and... (sighs) Yes, White Boy Malcolm X. Michelin Frederick was wrestling with a squirrel in the snow. And there's blood everywhere and my finger's getting chewed and it won't let go, Frederick told WCBS TV. God, I wish I'd seen this video Evidently, it just stopped and there I was a big bloody mess. And Frederick isn't the only victim of the squirrel attacks. Mercy me. (laughs) Jesus Christmas, I am not going to Queens. Other residents have spoken about the strange behavior of the animals, stating that they attempted to climb their legs multiple times and even jumping off a mailbox to attack. One resident stated that she was just walking up her driveway when a squirrel jumped on her and bit her in the arm. She managed to get the animal off of her before it did any additional damage. <laughs> After running up their legs, White Boy Malcolm X, I wonder if they're trying to, like, hunt them or something. Be like, um they're like rapey squirrels. I mean, they could be, like, trying to molest these people. And folks, don't laugh at that. I'm, I'm being dead serious because we had an article about a month or two ago about the rapey kangaroo because the woman... Her theory was that because she wore Sarah Jessica Parker perfume, that it turned that kangaroo on. That thing stalked her and tried to, like, hump her. The rapey kangaroo went after her and she had to, like, run to someone's house and the damn thing waited outside for That's how horny Sarah Jessica Parker's perfume makes people or makes like, makes a kangaroo. But apparently, folks, we've got, I don't know if they're rapey or not, but we've got attack squirrels climbing up people's legs. And I don't know what they're doing up there. The victims of the squirrel attacks have hired a trapper. So, folks, Elmer Fudd is in Queens now looking for squirrels to catch the animals and relocate them. I don't know where you'd relocate an attack squirrel to. They're not going to attack someone else. I would just, I don't know, give them to a restaurant. It's Queens. But at the time of the report, none of the squirrels had taken the bait. Elmer sucks. For now, the local residents will just have to take additional caution when they see one of the critters or attempt to avoid them entirely. My thought? I mean, for Christ's sakes, people, this is Queens, New York. <laughs> you know, this isn't like the Hamptons or Martha's Vineyard where they're a little bit more, I don't know, rarefied air. It's the, the, you know, oh, the tax scroll. You have people to go get your tax scroll But This is Queens. You know people there got guns. I would shoot those damn things. You people in Queens acting like a bunch of wimps. Never thought I would see that in my lifetime, but oh well. Watch out for rapey squirrels in Queens. This is a local story, and even though folks, we are in the midst of a global pandemic, and we apparently, oh, we also have a uh, an epidemic of uh, Queens partying out there, spreading the COVID as well. And we've got a lot of vaccine. Nobody nobody wants to take. They're trying to trick everyone else into getting it. Wipe a X, You and I might just like go to the front of the line. Because everyone else is like, yeah, no, not so much. We'll just get those middle-aged queens to take it. But this, folks, this is a more serious issue than all that put together. And here's the headline. This is from Boston.com. And you know, you and I are paying for this White boy Malcolm X. A Massachusetts lawmaker will soon propose an official state dinosaur. And you can vote for which one. <laughs> I'm so glad, folks, that those feckless, feckless legislators in downtown Boston are focusing on the important questions. So let's dig into this article from Boston.com. In September, we had Kennedy versus Markey, which we folks reported on extensively here on the Miller Frost Show because it was Ginger Kennedy versus Tweedledum Markey. And Markey won and Ginger Kennedy walked away with his head held low because he's the only Kennedy to have ever lost in the state of Massachusetts. November asked us about question one and question two. I'm not going to bother explaining those to you because they're just local initiatives, whatever. And now Massachusetts residents face perhaps the most important state election yet. Podokasaurus versus Anchosaurus. Hold on. Hold on, folks. I'm sorry. I had to put my hand on the desk. Representative Jack Lewis, the Massachusetts Democrat who represents Ashland and part of Framingham, in the state legislature, announced Monday that he will file legislation on January 15th. Oh, that's coming up right by Malcolm X to designate an official state dinosaur for the Commonwealth. Well, if they need a dinosaur, you've got Tweedledum Markey right there. I mean, that, I don't know, he's like a thousand years old or even better. And speaking of rapey, since we were just talking about rapey squirrels, they could dig up Ted Kennedy. <laughs> there you go. They could call one of these dinosaurs the Kennedy. He's seeking input from the public with a poll asking residents to choose between a pair of dinos with local connections, which he describes as two of his oldest constituents. The purpose is to explore this thing that many of us once loved, to better understand prehistoric Massachusetts, but also to help young people connect the dots between their current or previous interests and career opportunities, Lewis told Boston.com, and I want to make sure folks have an accessible way to understand the legislative process, (laughs) In Massachusetts, where do the Democrats want? Okay, that's what we're doing. There you go. Over 7,500 people with clearly nothing better to do with their lives have responded to the poll as of Tuesday afternoon, Lewis said. He implied that Podokasaurus had a comfortable lead so far thanks to an outpouring of support from the Holyoke community. And folks, if you don't know what Holyoke is, it is a delightful, delightful little town and it is run By Alex Morse, who is an alleged chicken hawk. And if you don't know about that, well, you need to listen to, I I think we did about four or five uh, podcasts about Alex. He was running for Congress, but they set him up. He was was out at like the UMass Amherst, and I guess they were trying to set him up to like that he was some kind of, uh, you know, flirty with the teenage college boys. (laughs) That in itself is a very interesting story, but that is complete as a complete aside. So, But Holyoke, I guess Alex Morris, the alleged chicken hawk, is leading an effort for Podokasaurus to, to win this, and I'm done. Re- oh, one more thing. Twelve other states, because if you think this nuttiness is confined in Massachusetts, wrong. Twelve other states, and I have no doubt Florida is in the mix there, and Washington, D.C. already have their own official dinosaurs. Colorado, and some of the this is for you, Claims the stegosaurs, while Wyoming prefers the triceratops. There you go, as opposed to the triceratops. Oh man, how did, Wipe MacMax how did a salon article get in my pile? Good God. Anyway, here's the headline. Hold on, I gotta bang my head into a desk again before I even read this headline. Sherlock Holmes and the case of toxic masculinity. What is behind the detective's appeal? Sherlock Holmes is yes, that's what they do it at Salon. Let's take a fictitious character. Let's take a person that's not even real. It's just a character, and let's criticize them for being overly toxic, toxically masculine, or what have you. Whatever you say, toxic masculinity. Sherlock Holmes is the most famous detective of all times. I don't know if you know, folks, if you're listening to this podcast and you're from Salon, I don't know, but he's not real. Since he was imagined in a creation in 1892 by the young Scottish doctor, author Conan Doyle, there has been hardly a decade in which a play, television series, film, or book about Sherlock Holmes has not been produced. In 2010, a fresh take on Sherlock Holmes burst onto British screens. This contemporary Sherlock, starring Benedict Cumberbatch, inspired a whole new level of fandom and increased sales of the original books by 53%. And do you know why by Malcolm X? I don't think they're doing any more of those because him and the other guy, whatever his name is, they did not get along. They're like, um, they're like two queens, one who went to a gay circuit party and the other one who did not. <laughs> like, like at each other. So they're not, I don't think they're gonna do any more of those Sherlocks. People were especially taken with Cumberbatch's flirty, sexy appeal, which I guess is gone. Hot on his heels came an American version elementary in 2012. In both adaptations, Sherlock's brilliance and skills of deduction are unmatched. While I really enjoyed these shows, I was taken aback by Sherlock's rudeness, exasperation, his disparagement of others, his desire to dominate, and his latent violence. I saw Sherlock as a toxic man— Not knowing the books, I wondered where this came from, so I began reading them. So apparently White Boy Malcolm X, she enjoyed the shows. She really enjoyed the shows, but she did not like the toxic masculinity. I think that would be kind of mutually exclusive, but I I guess not. Anyway, let's pick back up. I'm not going to read this whole thing. It goes on, but we'll just cover the highlights. Although the concept of toxic masculinity sounds contemporary, it actually has roots very firmly in the past. Masculinity researchers, good God, imagine those people, have defined toxic masculinity. I'm here to research masculinity. I'm just going to research the heck out of that. Have defined toxic masculinity as a performance of traditional male gender roles exhibited by a tendency to dominate others, a predisposition to violence, and be emotionally cold and distant. It can also be expressed through highly competitive behavior or the desire to be the sole source of information, someone who thinks they are right about everything in every sphere. Men like Donald Trump, for example. Oh, so we're going politics here. Holmes is obviously not akin to Trump. To start with, Holmes is a genius. And he Holmes is also a fictitious character, lady. And he hardly exhibits the same level of toxic behaviors that Trump does. But there are elements there. So he's kind of Trump. This is unsurprising given that some of these features are seen in the original text. Conan Doyle wrote Sherlock Holmes at a time when traditional masculine values were openly venerated. And I'm not going to keep reading. I'm going to hear the last two paragraphs so I don't slam my head into the desk anymore. Toxic masculinity is a contentious issue, and some consider it to encompass traits which contribute to the dominance and brilliance in some men. Arguably, Sherlock Holmes is widely understood as the most brilliant detective of all time. In this context, I found it disappointing that the toxic elements of Sherlock's character were not further challenged in the TV shows. While he is not actually violent, unlike many toxic men, and the characters around him do call him out on his behaviors, especially Watson, his intelligence is still understood through his toxic masculinity, especially in Sherlock where it is presented as sexy. Well, it's better at Cumberbatch. Of course they would. I find this problematic, especially in the context of contemporary society, where we frequently see toxicity demonstrated by men in power. So there you go, folks. I don't who wrote this. Hold on. Ashley Morgan wrote this piece. I don't know. A couple of thoughts here, White Boy Malcolm X. First off, I'm actually surprised, given that it is a salon article that nothing was said about Sherlock Holmes being white. I figured they would have to go after white privilege because I'm sure if anyone had white privilege, it was Sherlock Holmes and Watson. I think they had a lot of white privilege. And I don't know what what you want. the, The appeal of Sherlock Holmes is in the cockiness. It's not just the intelligence. It's that combined with that that sort of arrogance and, and cockiness to go about solving crimes. And I think I think Benedict Cumberbatch did an absolutely amazing job. I didn't watch the other show, but I thought he did a great job. At it. And it's a shame that that show was done because he and his co star can't get along. But I don't know what Ashley wants. I mean, does she want him more like, I don't know, like some dopey like pajama boy? Um <laughs> you know what he could be, white boy Malcolm X. He they could make it like a Sherlock Holmes, but like but like a gay leftist Sherlock Holmes. You're like, hi, I'm I'm Sherlock Holmes, and I am here to solve crimes for social justice. God. I'm going to get all those those right wing criminals. Mm. Man, oh man, you know what he could solve like my Macomb. He could solve. Just popped in my head because I saw in the news about Enrico Tario Torio, whatever his name is. And if you don't know who that is, he's the head of the Proud Boys, and he is of obviously Hispanic heritage with that name, and they. Proud Boys, the media, love to report as a white supremacist group. So I always say it's the dumbest white supremacist group ever because it is run by a Hispanic. And all the dumb crackers in that group are being led by a Hispanic. And they're too dumb to realize that. But the case of the Latino white supremacist. That could be a, a gay pajama boy, Sherlock Holmes adventure. I'm going to get him. I'm just going get to get that Enrique Taria. Mm. Okay. We're getting into the good stuff. We don't... Folks, we used to have like... That little section on the gay stuff. We don't really have any race news. Well, a little bit, but not too much. And then we would get into what I call the fun pile. The fun part of the show. But we've kind of interspersed things. That's why I did the squirrel story at the beginning. The rapey squirrel. I did that at the beginning because we kind of like... Throw all the stories in the air and kind of mix them up. We always have gay at the front and smoking gun at the back. But everything else is kind of a hodgepodge now. It's like a blended it all in. So... But this is a um, this is a fun story, a New York Post story, and here is the headline: Former church pastor now makes one hundred thousand dollars a month, so one point two million dollars per year as a life coaching stripper. Hmm. Let's find out more about that. She's a saint and a sinner, Nicole Mitchell, and that is not Nicole with a C. That is Nicole with a K ditched her life as a pastor in Ohio three years ago and now lives of course in California, making a living in the sex industry. And if you don't know what the sex industry is, I think that's what they used to call hookers, but they don't do that anymore. Mitchell, a mom of God, a mom of three. what's your mom do? Um she's a she's a life coaching stripper, but she makes 100 grand a month so we got lots of toys who describes herself as a pastor-turned-stripper-slash-life-coach-slash-model. She's a life coach, White Boy Malcolm X. What is a life coach? Just some loser who tells you what to do. On her Instagram account, I wonder if she's following those vicious queens that boast 120,000 followers. Mercy, you people. You people need to get a life charges $15 a month for a sexy subscription on her OnlyFans account and for Zoom sessions. So you can Zoom with this chick, this life coaching stripper, and you can get on the Zoom and and whatever with each other. In a New Year's Eve post that featured her in Skimpy Lingerie, Mitchell wrote, I just wrapped up another TV segment, thank you Fox26, and I am just in awe of all the dreams that have come true this year. (laughs) Honey... You aspire to not too much. Among her blessings, Mitchell wrote, we're going viral, being sought out as a life coach expert on TV. <laughs> That's the state of television today, folks. Being reached out to by celebrities and stars who want to connect and collaborate and having producers and bookers reach out to me. And that me is an all caps, folks. This while in a pandemic, going through a divorce and having three kiddos at home. So her husband's like, I'll take a good alimony check, but I am not going to hang out with this stripper while she's doing something on Zoom with some other guy. God bless those kids. Man, at least she's making a lot of money because she's going to need it to pay for all that therapy. Three kids in therapy is not going to be cheap. Mitchell, who adds her dreams came true, became disillusioned with Christianity after mentions of her mixed-race heritage and... God. Bisexuality. Or edited out of sermons leading her to quit her church in 2017. You don't know what a bisexual is. They'll do anyone. So <laughs> They will literally do anyone. Man, oh man. So I guess Nicole will do anyone as well. So you could be a guy and you could call her up and do a Zoom session. And you could be a woman and she'll do both of you. <laughs> I didn't get where I am today by playing small, holding back, or keeping my dreams to myself, Mitchell wrote. I put myself out there. Yes, honey, you did. I shared my dreams with my inner circle, even when I was embarrassed at how big they were, are, and invested in support. That's how I got where I am today. In subsequent posts featuring topless and bottomless shots. So, folks, if you want to see her for JJ, it's there. Mitchell exhorts her fans to follow their dreams. And contact her for one-on-one sessions via direct messaging. Okay, then. There you go. Nicole Mitchell is a... Well, she's doing good. I'm happy for you, Nicole. If you are, if you have found your bliss, God bless you. This is a Gateway Pundit article. It's another COVID Karen story, but it's not a bunch of vicious little nasty queens on Instagram. Arizona mother. Arrested after beating her COVID-positive children for not wearing masks at home. I don't know about you, white boy Malcolm X, but this is a perfect Florida story. <laughs> God. This story really should be in Florida, but it's not. It's in Arizona, and as I had to tell the people in North Dakota on Sunday, you folks are never going to replace Florida. You might be able to move ahead of Louisiana, but you will never I don't care how many mothers in Arizona beat their COVID-positive kids. You ain't going to top Florida. And actually, folks, the smoking gun story at the end of the show is from Florida. But it's we'll see. We'll see what you think of it. It's not Bud Light, Mike. That's all I'm going to say. Sarah Michelle Boone, 32, was arrested on December 26th for abusing her three children and stepchildren. According to a report from the Associated Press... Boone hit one child in the face, kicked a second one while he was on the floor, and picked a third child up by the neck before police were called to the home by one of the victims. So she had a little tattletale kid, like calling uh, Child Protective Services when you get a spanking. This kid was like, my mama hit me in the face. (laughs) Had to have been him because she was too busy with the other two. They couldn't do it. Boone's violent attack was because the children all tested positive for covid but were not wearing masks according to the probable cause statement. The ages of the victims are not public. The unhinged woman attempted to flee the scene before police arrived, but was found. So the kid was like, Mama, I called the cops on you. And Mama fled. Sarah Michelle Boone fled the scene, but she was found walking down the street. She was reportedly under the influence of alcohol. so Mama was drunk and beaten up the kids. She allegedly ignored orders to stop by the officers, did not cooperate with the police, well, let's face it, who can blame her because we all know about the Popo, and fought with them. Cops used a stun gun to subdue her and even handcuffed her, the Blaze reports. So we know she's not capital B black because they would have just shot her. Boone has been charged with three counts of child abuse, three counts of assault, as well as disorderly conduct and resisting arrest. She was later released on $5,000 bond. And folks, if you think this is her first time in the rodeo, Wrong. Authorities encountered Boone on three, three folks, not one, not two, three previous instances of domestic violence. Police documents say Wickenburg police officers told KPNX-TV they have been responded to Boone's residence due to domestic violence situations involving the children once in September and twice in November. So she beats on those kids like the, the song about beating on the drum all day. That's what she does for the kids. God. That's horrible. In those cases, she was cited for disorderly conduct, fighting, and knowingly touching with intent to injure, insult, provoke. Good. Man, oh man, she has one hot mess. Bless those kids' hearts. The other one, the stripper with a 1.2 million. While she's putting her kids in therapy, she can put these kids in therapy too. She's got enough money—1.2 million dollars a year. But anyway, there you go—an Arizonan beating her kids over the COVID. This is a story from Condi Nast Traveler. And here's the headline. Climbers are pushing back on how racist climbing routes are named. And we had a story about uh, about this a few months ago. And there was someone who was like trying to raise money because the BIPOC people weren't into camping. And they thought, well, because they would go camping and they were like, we're the only people of color out here. It's a bunch of white people crackers are out here and we're just the only people so they went and they went uh went back and they were like had to set up this charity where they could collect money and then put all these camping kits together so if someone said hey I'd like to go camping too uh and I'm a person of color oh here's a camping kit and have fun off you go and uh I said I don't know what the what the rush is the push is rather because I hate camping <laughs> and I figured all the BIPOC people are just a little bit smarter about things and they're like I don't want to go out in the woods and have to go to the bathroom in the woods and wipe my butt with the leave or what have you and and uh, no running water and no internet and all that other crap. And people who go camping are uh, not my thing. So, you know, you c- folks have fun. But apparently now, not just camping is full of white crackers, but um, climbing is is uh, not only really a bunch of white people as well, but it's racist. Let's find out about what's going on with this. A sleepy town reminiscent of the Wild West, 10 Sleepway, Wyoming, is home to some 300 residents and one of the most trafficked climbing destinations in North America. Melissa Utomo, a web developer and recreational climber, drove nearly seven hours from Boulder, Colorado, the um, the People's Republic of Boulder, Colorado, to experience the 800 bolted climbing routes 10 Sleep Canyon had to offer. As she opened her guidebook app, she came across a rock labeled Slavery Wall, with routes called Happiness in Slavery... <laughs> And Aunt Jemima's Bisquick Thunderdome. Maybe, folks, maybe they have a point here. <laughs> oh, God. It wasn't the first time Utomo had encountered problematic route names. These are clearly problematic, folks. Aunt Jemima's Bisquick Thunderdome. <laughs> While climbing is meant to be a solace from everyday life, climbers of color, especially black, and this is capital B black, folks, so you know they're real black, and indigenous climbers, and capital I, it's capital indigenous, so you know they're really indigenous, experience a different reality. Many have had to cross invisible barriers that make the sport feel inaccessible from a lack of generational knowledge. And if you don't know what a lack of generational knowledge is, it's that fact that their their folks, their parents, their aunts and uncles, and all the other folks We're too smart to be like, I'm not climbing that damn thing. (laughs) Only a loser would climb that. And so now they feel left out because mama and daddy and and grandma and grandpa. Oh, you're not supposed to say that anymore. Oops. Sorry, Nancy Pelosi. I am sorry. I'm not supposed to say that. Parent one and parent two and and grandparent one and grandparent two weren't part of the the climbing community. So they don't have, what am I supposed to do out here? So there's a lack of generational knowledge. That is exactly what that is and gatekeeping within the climbing community to overt racism faced in the outdoors. Racist route names are yet another way that many are made to feel unwelcome. When I travel to these crags, I see Confederate flags and South will rise again signs, says Dominique Davis, an Atlanta-based yogi and climber, and her experience as a capital B black woman trekking to popular climbing spots in the South. I experience discomfort when I'm trying to get to these places and then To come up on a wall and see it named Neck in the noose or whipping post, I assume this sentiment extends through time and space. She said that if she saw either of those names the first time she climbed, she probably wouldn't have come back to the sport. Climbing routes are named on a first-come, first-served basis. Those who summit the route first, aptly named first ascensionists, get to choose its moniker. These given names are then passed down by word of mouth and immortalized by in climbing route guidebooks. Many, including Utomo, believe that these route names are symptomatic of the internalized racism within the climbing community. So if you folks climb, you know we should do White Boy Malcolm X whenever they open the gyms back up again. We should go to a climbing wall and scream racist. (laughs) because all a bunch of dumb, dopey white liberals. They're like out climbing the wall and go racist, racist need to have a meltdown. The recent propulsion of this discussion into the mainstream has surfaced fundamental questions that the community is now reckoning with, including whose responsibility it should be to name routes. Probably need the government to do that. I bet you that's in here somewhere. First ascensionists have faced pressure to address and change names as grassroots efforts in the climbing community merge with recent protests centering black lives. They should call one George Floyd Wall. That would help. Utomo built a feature proposal for Mountain Project, a user-generated virtual guidebook of climbing routes that allows users to flag harmful and oppressive route names, bringing to attention the sheer volume of offensive appellations. Davis is working directly with publishing houses in Georgia and Tennessee to change racist route names in local guidebooks by contacting the First Ascensionists who developed them. As a result of their efforts and many others, some names have changed, including Ten Sleep Slavery Wall, now called Downpour Wall, and its accompanying routes. As the sport continues, many climbers are questioning whether one person should have the ultimate say in naming. Utomo and Thompson both suggest a democratic voting process. Oh, that'll be fun. Whereby first ascensionists bring potential route names to local climbing organizations and then allow community members to make the final decision. Davis proposes forming a code of ethics for the the first ascensionist to follow. No, let's not make this complicated, honey. Giving guidebook publishers the authority to alter the name if it does not meet the code. Others have even considered eliminating names altogether and numerically distinguishing routes. Good God. So these first ascensionists, they go out and they find raw trail there's no trail like right? they just go out there and make something out of nothing they create this path and I guess you've got a bunch of weirdos there naming these things kind of these nutty names but I'm not sure that um having a, a code of ethics and a, a government board or what have you sitting around judging these things <laughs> can you see white boy Malcolm X she's like someone comes and they, they, they go out and they they find these, this rock formation and they, they go through all the effort of putting all those little whatever the little harnesses in into the rock and they climb it and they, they are the first ascensionist. They took all the damn effort to put all these little things into the wall so that everyone else can follow up them. And they did all that hard work and they come home and they're like, I and to honor my mother. I want to name that mother's way. Let's name that mother's path or what have you. You see, <laughs> first off, the feds, as I was cracking a joke earlier, the feds would not like that because you're not allowed to say mother anymore. Just, you know, parent A. Or or the, the, you can't even say female parent. (laughs) And then, of course, you'd get the, um, well, the transgenders would not be happy with that because you're not supposed to say mother because that would insinuate a gender. And there are seven genders. You just need to say the birth parent because in today's world, folks, in in, in 2021, a, a man can give birth to a baby. There you go. So there is a A lot of racism in the climbing community, who knew, but there you go. This article is from Outspoken and White Boy Malcolm X. When I found this article, I went to their website because I'm like, wow, this does not read like a typical gay article. Yes, this is another gay article for you before you even say anything. But I'm reading uh, this site and I'm like, damn, these queens are as self-loathing as I am. It's a bunch of uh, conservative gays. So, here is the headline with this. California Democrats Vote to Replace Pride Crosswalks with Racial Oppression Flag. Hmm. Let's figure out what's going on here. The West Hollywood City Council unanimously approved a plan to replace the city's rainbow crosswalks with a newfangled rendition of the gay pride flag in an effort to erase gay history and promote the far-left radical politics du jour. And I don't know about you folks, but I have never... Never been a fan of that hideous, stupid, gay pride flag. (laughs) That dumb rainbow. I figured all the queens in this tribe, and that's the best they could do. (laughs) How many designers do we have? And we own that industry. We own that as a field of expertise. And that's the best we could do with a dumb flag. The city of West Hollywood currently has rainbow flag crosswalks at Santa Monica and San Vicente Boulevard's. The city is now set to pave over those crosswalks and paint a new flag that adds black and brown stripes to the original red, orange, yellow, green, blue, and violet. The controversial new flag seeks to show solidarity with black and brown LGBTQ people, according to The Advocate. Critics and some LGBT activists see the new flag as injecting skin color into a symbol with a message That was previously colorblind and claimed the charged new flag is divisive and unnecessary. So another group, folks, we got another group of queens going at each other. So COVID Karen, the gay COVID Karen and those circuit party queens, they're fighting. And now we got these uh, activists, these capital B black activists like, we need some black and we need some brown and this this rainbow flag. And the others like, "Ah, you, you, high maintenance queens, it's not supposed to be about color. Anyway, picking back up with this, they also claim it erases the original spirit of the gay rights movement, which had a unifying message beyond race. And what have I said? I don't know how many podcasts now. I think it's our 27th podcast, but I've said it, I think, pretty much every podcast. Everything, folks, everything is about race these days. They have injected it everywhere. I had an article from Consumer Reports on Sunday, and it was about photography, but it was about how capital B black people in photography have all these all this oppression. Probably worse oppression than, than black climbers. <laughs> I don't know. Could, pretty close there. But they weren't even rating cameras in the article. They weren't rating anything. They were just complaining about systemic racism in the photography community. <laughs> so, even in Consumer Reports and now in the gay pride flag. The blue, pink, and white transgender exclusionary pride flag. So, the transgender community, the T in LGBT, they got a second flag. So they got our flag, White boy Malcolm X, and they got their own flag. They're like, I don't want that gay flag. We got our own flag. will also be added to a crosswalk on Santa Monica Boulevard, reports WeHoVille. West Hollywood Council Member John D'Amico said, as a gay white male of a certain age in this city, so he's uh, throwing himself under the bus for being white, and he's virtue signaling to everyone else, I do strongly support this effort to bring new life and new awareness to all the kinds of ways in which we want to make sure people are represented and have a place in our community, whether it's spoken or painted or written, reports the advocate. Just quickly as an asideway, Bo MacMag, because I'm still thinking about this transgender pride flag. <laughs> I would like to see what the bisexual the bisexual flag is gonna be. You know what it would be, I think. I'm just I'm thinking out loud here, folks. I bet it would be every color in the spectrum. So, because they do anyone, right? That's what a bisexual is. So I think a bisexual pride flag would just have every color, in the every color ever, every, you know, just like uh, the Crayola, the 64 color. That's what it would be. It would be something like that, but it would be like a, a million different little pixels of every shade of red and green and orange and brown or whatever. Um, it'll be that. That'll be the bisexual pride flag. <laughs> another council member, here's another clown on the West Hollywood uh, City Council, Sepi Shin added that the reality is during this pandemic, the mortality rate for black and brown lives is absolutely higher than every other person. And it is incumbent upon us as the progressive city that we are to do everything that we can to recognize black and brown lives. Sepi, we're trying to get them the COVID vaccine. <laughs> they just don't want to take it. So don't don't blame us if they're disproportionately affected. Now we have we have something that can help with that. If they don't want to take it, not my problem. Amber Heitz, a radical far-left activist who identifies as queer, is credited with creating the new flag in 2017. However, it was actually designed by a marketing firm called Tierney, which perverted the iconic gay symbol by adding the unsightly black and brown stripes. These people are racist for saying that. The firm claimed minorities are intentionally excluded from the LGBTQ community and cited the need to raise awareness. So the marketing firm tyranny, whiteboy White, Malcolm X, if I understood that correctly, is blaming us. We are part of the pack in the LGBT community that are intentionally excluding minorities. Heavens, heavens, heavens. Updating your flag proclaims with everything that black lives more than matter. You're saying that queer, black, and brown representation is who we are, that black and brown trans lives are precious, folks, these these lives are precious, apparently, and ought to be celebrated, that centering the leadership and voices of those who are impacted is the only way we will arrive at collective liberation, Hike said in a statement about the decision in West Hollywood. I bet mean, she's a lot of fun to hang out with. Man, oh man. The colors. I didn't know this white by Malcolm X, but here's some, a little bit of history. The colors of the rainbow flag, which, for the record, I think is hideous, and it's about to become doubly so with the addition of uh, more colors, are meant to reflect the diversity of the LGBT community, even though, folks, even though we are intentionally exclusive of black and brown people and are... <laughs> so it's not just the white queens in Philadelphia, now that I think about it, white boy Malcolm X, I think everyone is. I think the white gays... Can you imagine these poor white gay liberals... <laughs> who flog themselves for being white and they're just they just want to be so so inclusive and so tolerant and they are being thrown under the bus by this marketing firm tyranny man and this dopey chick this amber hikes who can't say she's a lesbian or, or gay or what have you she's queer god anyway' plead the aside sorry folks I'm just Man. These people drive me nuts. Anyway, the colors of the rainbow flag are meant to reflect the diversity of the LGBT community and are believed to be inspired by Judy Garland Somewhere Over the Rainbow. Garland was one of the first gay icons. And that was actually an interesting movie with um, Brene Zellweger. The Stonewall Rebellion in 1969, the start of the modern gay rights movement, occurred the evening of Garland's funeral in New York. didn't know that either. Here's a Daily Caller. Sorry, I'm not actually going to read much of the story. Uh, here's the headline: Report, multimillionaire who attended Prince Harry's wedding charged with rape. And this is why people hate the media, folks. So talk about clickbait. A UK multimillionaire who also attended Prince Harry and Meghan Markle's wedding has reportedly been charged with rape. I hope he's not rapey like the squirrels are. Lawrence Jones, founder of UK Fast, was charged with one count of rape and four sexual assaults stemming from incidents that occurred between 2010 and 2013, according to a report published Tuesday by the Daily Mail. Jones was accused of unwanted sexual advances and sexual assault by two female employees, the outlet reported. And I really, I really hate being put in this position. The Daily Caller has put me in this position, so I hate you folks over there. Because everyone knows that I just, I don't like... That dope Prince Harry, and I don't like his dumb wife, the one that thinks she's going to be president one of these days, Meghan Harry. I don't like, <laughs> yes, wipe by Malcolm X, Meghan Harry. I do not like these two spoiled, overindulged, narcissistic dopes. I just cannot stand them. Every time I see an article on them, I'm, I just cringe and I just keep going. But, and I have documented that on this podcast numerous times, how much I just cannot stand the two of them. But, can you imagine being Prince Harry? Right about now. And you're like, how the hell did I get involved in this story? He's minding his own business. Doing his dumb Netflix deal with his stupid wife. And they're doing their own woke videos or what have you. And they got their own podcast. And they're just sitting around minding their own business. And someone drags them into a rape story. (laughs) I mean, unless Prince Harry was... I don't know, at the rape itself. He was actually there. I don't know why he's being dragged into this. Can you imagine being this guy? And every time some guy who went to your wedding or bumped into you at some point gets in trouble with the law, your name is going to be dragged into it too. Man, I feel I actually to say this, I never ever thought I would say this. So 2021 is turning out to be a crappy year as well. I actually feel bad for Prince Harry in this situation. Man, I hope he didn't have a big wedding. Person who had been invited to Prince Harry's wedding was charged with murder today. Prince Harry's like, I wasn't there. I didn't do anything. I want to do Netflix videos and get paid. Okay, folks. This is a Washington Examiner article and apparently COVID Karen. COVID Karen has transitioned <laughs> but she gets to another flag if, if uh, i'm kidding here's the headline man brings gun to enforce face mask compliance in gym before manager tackles him so we like to pick on the um the hysterical women who go out screaming about mask enforcement but apparently god look at this guy white boy malcolm x <laughs> guys like i don't know uh, I was 64. It doesn't look 64. Look, I was going to say he looks like a, a uh, like a 55 middle aged, uh, just disheveled dope. Looks like he's had one too many uh, hits from wherever. And this is a Minnesota story. So Arizona and Minnesota are my trouble spots this week on uh, on this podcast. Good God, let's find out what this guy does. A Minnesota man was arrested after he allegedly pulled out a gun in a gym because members were not wearing masks while they worked out. Michael Floorhog, 64, reportedly went to an LA Fitness on December 31st in Maplewood to monitor whether gym members were wearing masks. He is not a member of the gym. (laughs) Michael, you need a better hobby. Can you see this white boy, Malcolm X? This guy's like... I don't know what he's doing. He's sitting at home. He's probably like watching MSNBC or one of those hysterical chicks on um, on CNN like Fredo Kumo or or George Costanza there. <laughs> they keep talking about masks, masks. I've had Dr. Fauci. He probably watches Dr. Fauci as a porno. And he's like, mm, I wonder what they're doing at the LA Fitness. I hope they're wearing their masks because I don't want them spreading, spreading that COVID around. He's probably a member of... He's probably a member of that uh, that Instagram group, those vicious queens that are tattletaling on all the other ones. He's like, well, I'm going to get my gun and I'm going to go down there and I'm going to go check out if they're wearing the mask. He's like, he walks up to the L.A. Fitness there and he's like, hmm, who's not wearing the mask? Let's pick up the story there. So he has gotten there and he's got there with his gun. He reportedly spoke to an employee at the front desk to alert them that members were not complying with mask mandates and spoke in an aggressive and angry tone. So he enters the building, goes up to the counter and goes, Your people are not wearing masks. <laughs> Guy's like, Are you a member here? No, but I'm just here checking it out. Should probably go to the stop and shop next. A manager then spoke with the man and said the gym does not employ enough people to monitor face masks, but that floor Hawk, who looks like it's just a stupid dope, could pay an employee personally to <laughs> enforce the rules. I like this manager. Flohag called the manager dumb and said he would take pictures of people in the gym to get the business in trouble with the state. And he could put those on Instagram, I guess. The manager refused to let Floorhegg enter, prompting the man to say, oh yeah. He then pulled out a 9mm handgun. An employee said that Floorhegg did not flash the gun, but that he completely removed it from his pocket and pointed it at the manager. God, he is a hysterical COVID Karen. He then tried to enter the gym again, but he was tackled by the manager, who thought he would shoot members who were not wearing masks. And I tell you what, folks, I bet you he would. Florhag was arrested and charged with one count of second-degree assault. With a dangerous weapon, he will appear in court on Tuesday. Well, it is Minnesota, so he'll probably get out and probably go do it. (laughs) This is what it's turned into, folks. In um in 2021, I, I started this uh, podcast with a bunch of nasty queens calling out other queens. We're going and partying. Not saying it's right, but they you know this tattletale. Let's let's cancel the mentality. And this one sitting at home goes to a gym. He's not even a stupid member of the COVID. Even if it's in the gym, is not anywhere near his home. It's like these people who hate, their neighbors are smoking cigarettes, and it drives them nuts. Even though they can't smell it, this guy gets a gun and goes down to the LA Fitness to to shoot people probably, not wearing masks. Man, just wait till Joe Biden gets into office. <laughs> you will have like a whole have a whole army of these people checking people out and spying and tattletaling. And here we go, folks. This is our last story, our smoking gun story, a Florida smoking gun story. So we got a good rap sheet at the end, trust me. And here is the headline, Drug Suspects Cake Claim Was Half-Baked ex-con said MDMA stash was bags of sugar and cornstarch and if you don't know what MDMA is it's ecstasy that's the drug that party queens take <laughs> all the queens the, all the queens listening to this are like girlfriend we knew what MDMA is we just we that's that's the good stuff but for you folks that are like what the hell is that stuff Miller it's ecstasy and you know what an ecstasy is I can't explain it to you because not my not my thing That is not my area of expertise, and my ex is not here to explain it for me. You would expect more from a genius, and it's his last name, G-E-N-E-U-S, but there's a little, little pun there. After police found a scale in bags containing white and brown substances in his backpack, a Florida man claimed that he was carrying a bag of sugar, and a bag of cornstarch to bake a cake, according to an arrest report. White boy Malcolm X, I, I don't know if you know this, but is ecstasy a, a powder? You What do you, like, snorted or something? Why well, that's what I thought. I thought it was a pill. I, well, I guess you can make the powder into a pill. I just, I thought ecstasy you took it was a pill or something. I didn't, know. these guys carrying around a bag like it's cocaine or something. Investigators said that ex con Jethro Genius. 30, was a passenger in a Honda that was pulled over by Port St. Lucie cops around 3 a.m. on New Year's Eve. And folks, what do I always tell you? Nobody listens to me. No good comes from being out after midnight. And Jethro, had he listened to this podcast, had he been a fan of the Miller Frost Show, he would know, don't go out after midnight, and then he would not be in this situation because he would have gotten his ecstasy wherever he needed to go and been home by midnight, not in jail. A subsequent search of a backpack that was at Genius's feet on the front floorboard revealed two large bags of a white and brown substance, the cops report. Genius, who reportedly claimed ownership of the backpack, said the seized substances were actually ingredients for a cake to be baked. That, folks, would be one hell of a cake. I bet that would beat pot brownies. However, a field test revealed that both substances, which weighed a combined two-thirds of a pound, contained ecstasy. In addition to a narcotics trafficking count, Genius was charged with introducing contraband into a detention facility after he allegedly dropped a bag of meth. (laughs) So this moron is a meth junkie on top of that while in custody at the county jail. And you know you've got to be a dumb meth junkie. (laughs) If you're in custody in the jail, you're like, oh crap, I just dropped my meth. And they caught him with it. Genius is locked up in lieu of... And uh, Quick thought, folks, before I forget... Don't worry about about Jethro Genius. I'm sure that as this is being Florida, these are all, all misdemeanors, and and he will he'll be out of jail in like maybe two weeks, uh, assuming he doesn't get community service. But listen to this, white boy Malcolm X. Guess how much his bond is? Forty seven thousand five hundred dollars in Florida. That and, and I tell you what. Look, where is that story? This chick in Arizona who beat her three kids and has beat them like the last couple of months. I mean, those cops are like driving by her house all the time because she's beating her kids and she beat them up uh, over the COVID this time. She got, only had a $5,000 bond and she's beating children <laughs> repeatedly. This guy just has some MDMA and all, and uh, you got a bunch of pissed off queens in Florida now because like, where's my ecstasy? Where the hell is my ecstasy? I'm going to go to a rave and I don't have my ecstasy. And he's got $47,500. God. Anyway, Man, what a train wreck. Here is his rap sheet because that is how we're going to end the show. Genius's rap sheet includes convictions for burglary, marijuana possession, providing a false name to police, which reminds me. I wonder if he asked. We had this story a couple months ago where the lady in Florida, of course, was asked, what is your name? And she said, my name is my butt just farted. (laughs) True story, folks. Swear to God it happened. You can listen to the podcast and I'll read you that article, too. But apparently, he's also providing a false name. But I wonder if he also said, my butt just farted, resisting and possession of drug paraphernalia. Well, the guy has a scale and bags and bags of MDMA and a bag of crystal meth. Of course, he's got drug paraphernalia. He was released from state prison in March 2020 after serving about five years for burglarizing a Fort Pierce home. Holy crap. They put someone in jail for that in Florida. Cops discovered genius hiding under a bed in the residence. While his accomplice was found in possession of a door the Explorer bag, <laughs> oh man! I bet he looked fashionable, which was apparently intended to be used to carry purloined items. Done, Jethro, genius. Mercy me! Get out of jail! Get those queens there! They're ecstasy. Okay, I am gonna just plug pull this now, folks. Um, thank you so much. I wasn't intending on doing this, like I said earlier in the podcast, but hey, I'm glad I came and glad we did this. This was fun. This was a good opportunity to to laugh and to forget about all the crazy going on in the world. And I hope you feel the same way. And uh, feel free to check out other podcasts if you are new to the program, because a lot of this kind of does pile on each other. And I do kind of reference stories from previous podcasts all the time. And I don't have all podcasts to explain everything to you, so... Anyway, thanks again for stopping by and uh, and listening to this uh, this Wednesday's uh, episode of the Miller Frost Show. Signing off here is Miller Frost with White Boy Malcolm X. We will uh, both be back here. You coming? Back? Yeah, I knew you would. Um, and I, hey, for the record, dry January. It's January sixth, and I no boost. No, I swear to, I told you no boost. I'm, I'm doing good, but we'll see how Sunday goes. <laughs> I will report back on Sunday. In the meantime, have a great, great rest of your week and, and a great start to your weekend, and we'll see you back here in a few days. Take care.